0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rooker Report podcast in association with the Sun Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back for the preview show. We said we'd get back into the swing of things, and we sort of have, I guess, because Mister Preview's with me tonight. Hey, Chris.
1: Good evening, Gavin.
0: Mister Preview's your new nickname. I'll, yeah. I'll
1: take it. I've been cold
0: yeah. <laughs> Um Yeah, preview, because we are playing Fulham this weekend. Premier League Fulham, who are doing really well, flying high in the table after their promotion from the Championship. How are you feeling about it? Because I'm very relaxed. I'm a bit weirded out by how relaxed I am. I'm normally not really sure what to make of it when it comes to the FA Cup, but I'm yeah. I'm pretty chill.
1: Yeah, we ended the last pod talking about it, didn't we? And I, And I was wondering whether I'd get a little bit more, a little bit of cup fever, you know, 50 years since we, we won it and all that sort of stuff. You know, are we going to go on a cup run? And I'm not, <laughs> if I'm honest <laughs> with you. I, re- I really want to be. I really want to kind of go you know, the FA Cup. But the the way I see it is it's a free hit, and which is a good thing. But ah, the, this part of us just thinks we were really good against Middlesbrough. And it's just a bit. I just really wanted a follow up with a good win in the championship.
0: Yeah, so. I, I I get that. Like, yeah, I I think I'd rather be playing in the league because yeah, we feel like we're on a good good bit of form at the minute. And the other thing is as well is that when you when you do sort of hit your stride, you you, you want to be playing every couple of days, don't you? Not having to wait with a cup. So we have we didn't have a midweek game obviously after the Borough game. Um, so we haven't to wait a little bit to get back into the swing of things in the championship. But it I get you. I'm I'm with you there. Maybe Fulham feel the same, to be fair, because they've lost their last two in the league. So yeah. maybe they're thinking the same, you know, because of because of their league position, they would probably rather be playing a team in the Prem and they're not. Um yeah. so it could be an interesting game in that sense, really, because it, it 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 might be a case of who wants it more, right? It might just be a case of who who actually wants to go through. <laughs> do Fulham do Fulham still have designs on um on Europe is that, is that is that a bit of a stretch for them, or are they just thinking we just want to be safe? We don't really care about cups. Uh, this is just a pain in the ass for us. It's it, yeah, it is interesting. But if you if you were a Fulham
1: fan and you you were seventh in the in the Premier League table, you you're probably thinking and and they've lost their last two as well. You're probably thinking you know if you think back, to actually Reedy's these days where we kind of came up and we did really well, but we dropped off later on in the season. If Fulham fans are thinking, well, we're bound to drop off in the Premier League, maybe finish. Tenth, eleventh, twelfth, bit further down mid table. Like if that's if that's likely to happen, because you can't see them, you know, because Liverpool are going to hit some form at some point. You you probably think Chelsea are going to hit some form at some point, and Fulham are going to probably drop down the table a little bit. And you probably love a cup run. If you were a Fulham fan, you'd be thinking we're in good form. We're playing Sunderland. That's almost you know that takes us. We've got Sunderland at home, Championship team. That takes us through to the fifth uh, fifth round. And then you get a decent draw there, and you're through at the quarterfinal. Yeah. And A team like Fulham, with the way they're playing, I think their fans would be right up for a cup run. It's it's that type of team who probably look at these things and and think we can have a decent run this season. I don't
0: know what the benchmark is anymore for um for staying up staying up in the Premier League because it's been obviously that long since we were there. But um, they're on thirty one points, so they're, they're, oh, yeah. bit, well, they're safe on. They? They've got another yeah. seventeen league games. You, you know, a yeah. couple more wins yeah. will probably be enough. To actually be Mm -hmm. safe, so I'm. It's weird because I think I sort of touched on this on the last pod. Like I, I actually think we're in a similar boat to Fulham in that sense. In that I know I know we can get promoted, and a lot of fans want us to really push on and go for the playoffs and stuff. But we're basically safe, and I think most of our fans would probably enjoy a cup run too. But at the same time probably acknowledge they would like a kick on the league but let's just look at it from that perspective then you know we don't feel as though we've got any chance of being in a relegation battle I think it would take something to seriously go wrong at this stage right so again it means we go into this with a little bit of um, well the luxury of having no pressure I guess we we've got nothing to fear and the way we're playing at the minute it's just brilliant to watch you know teams teams aren't going to want to play us I think it could be a proper ding-dong actually because for our players and I touched on this I think I made a point about Ahmad when we when we were talking to the last pod you know players like that they've they've got something to prove at this level like they want to show they can play against the likes of Fulham because when he goes back to Man United they're going to want to be able to say well are you ready for this level or not so for a bunch of our lads this is a real chance to prove how good they are and I'm, I'm sure, like the that won't be the thing at the forefront of their minds. Like I need to show everybody I'm a Premier League player. But I would certainly like to think the coaches are planting the seed and saying, "This is your opportunity to really show what you're made of. So let's go out there and do it. Everything you've been doing in the Championship, do it against this lot."
1: Couldn't agree with you more. The weekend, um, you know, after the weekend when you said that, because like I said, I, I was pro- I was probably feeling a bit more kind of up for the Fulham game after you said that because. Um... Because, yeah, it, it is kind of exciting seeing us play against the likes of Fulham because it's been said by a few people and, funnily enough, we go back to last season where, in League One, we were saying we can't wait to see the likes of Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts in the Championship because they'll probably get more time on the ball. And maybe it works again when you go up a level again that, yeah, it's a, there's, a, there's more to it in the Premier League, but actually sometimes they get more time on the ball. It's not all about closing players down, Kind of, you know, as soon as they get the ball, they're allowed a little bit of freedom, and then suddenly, in the front kind of, you know, defenders, kind of pick and choose when when they make that challenge. Um, and it's exciting if if our players have got a little bit more space and time in that final third um, to see what they can do, and they haven't just got kind of bruises, kind of smashing into the back of them, and probably look at Luke nine actually for since we've got one of them. Um, but uh, but yeah, it 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 could be, it could be one of those games where actually you've got two footballing sides and they have, they have a go at each other. And we could, uh, we could surprise a few people. It's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's more that, you know, we're gathering a bit of momentum in the championship. And what I don't want is because Fulham are a good side. And again, it was going back to the Newcastle game. I watched them in that Newcastle game. They were good against Spurs as well. And they should have gotten something out of that game. And, it's just if Fulham kind of comfortably beat us, and I'm not saying kind of smash us. I'm not saying like, you know, four or five nil or anything like that. I'm just saying if it's a just a routine two nil win or something for Fulham, I don't want that to kind of knock our morale because I think mm. this the Swansea game was I think we were playing fantastic and it and it was down to that kind of one incident that that threw the whole game. Middlesbrough, we were absolutely brilliant again. And what I don't I don't want that momentum to be knocked, because I think even though the Swansea result wasn't what we wanted. There was a, got a lot of positives to take from that, and then they went in the Middlesbrough game and used them. I, I just don't want to lose it. My 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 concern is that we get beat, we have a routine defeat. Well, in in terms of what Fulham, how Fulham see it, and um, our heads go down a little bit for for the next uh, next game in the Championship against Millwall.
0: Yeah, and I'm just looking at their fixtures as well. They play Chelsea after this game, which is obviously their derby. They've just beat them, <laughs> so it it's. I wouldn't say it's like us playing Newcastle, but maybe the Fulham fans it is. So it's a big game, and it's on Friday. So they'll have one eye on that. I think I don't know whether they'll well, they'll go full strength or not.
1: Yeah, but it's what you said. I think every Premier League game for them now is a free hit. It's like mm-hmm. let's see where it takes us. You know, they they're not. There's no pressure on them in the Premier League. So the FA Cup is almost let let's go win something.
0: Yeah, I, I I wonder if that's the sort of thought process. Because as fans, yes, I would agree. That that That's totally my thought. It's my thought process now. I want son to have a cup run. You know, I think we're safe. Why not? Let's let's make the season exciting and see how far we can go. But I wonder if that's how, like, say, Marco Silva's thought process is. Because he's been in the Premier League a few times now and he's he's been relegated. He struggled when he was at Everton. So he knows the other side of it. If you do lose momentum, is it, you know... What is more important to Fulham right now? Is it going to Stamford Bridge on Friday night and getting a result at Chelsea? Or is it beating Sunderland in the FA Cup fourth round? I mean, he'll probably weigh it up and think, I need to probably save my best players. I think I read that Mitrovic might be injured which we might know more about as the game approaches. Obviously, we're recording this on Wednesday night. But if Mitrovic is injured, I wouldn't expect him to start. I think they've got a guy in backup who who actually scored the other week, didn't he? Um, I totally forgot his name. Carlos Vinicius. He Vinicius, he's the back-up to Mitrovic at Fulham. So I imagine he'll start. Um, I looked at the team that they picked when they played Hull in the last round, and they only just beat Hull, by the way. I know it's, it was 2-0 to Fulham. But Fulham got to go. I think it was Dan James scored in injury time to make it two 0 And I was looking. At, I'm looking at the whole team now, and the team that Hull put out was pretty much second choice. Um, so it wasn't as though that you know the, the steamrolled Hull and Hull aren't great, you know. So it's not like they're unbeatable. I think if you remember back to when we were in the Premier League and we were in these sort of situations where we were the Prem team playing maybe a Championship side or a team lower down the leagues. I think your natural inclination is just to make a handful of changes, anyways, because he'll have players he wants to give game time to. Probably have players who are sort of whinging, maybe angling for moves, who he needs to keep happy. Um, you know, so it's probably an opportunity for him to bring in his squad players, and that's maybe where a team loses the the momentum and the natural momentum and balance because mm. you, he's not picking the 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 usual eleven that's been winning games in the Premier League. He's picking a team of players who are probably a little bit pissed off to not be playing in the big games. So that's what we've got to take advantage of. And I saw I, I think in a way that that then makes me think Sunderland should go as full strength as possible because that gives us a bit of an advantage when it comes to the actual who wants it more and who who who's gonna be more up for it on the day. I think, you know, when you look at our squad players, there's there's a drop off in quality compared to Fulham's, obviously, you know. If we start bringing in the likes of Bennett and, and Diakou, it's a little bit different to them bringing in, you know, Dan James, for instance, or, um, you know, Tosin Adelbaru at the back. It's it's a little bit different.
1: Yeah, but at, at what point does Tony Mowbray say, well, this becomes a big game? Because is it is it the competition or is it the opposition? Because if you look at the third round, he brought in the likes of Bennett and uh, he made a couple of other changes. Was that purely based on... The fact we were playing Shrewsbury, or I was that so. purely based, or was that because it was the FA Cup? So I think the the starting lineup will tell us exactly where Mowbray rates the FA Cup this season on the list mm. of priorities. Because if if now we're saying, right fourth round, it's it's Fulham, it's it's a Premier League team away from home. Here's where the real stuff starts, and we see our first eleven, our strongest eleven. Then you know you know how Mowbray thinks about it. But if you see the type of changes that we saw at Shrewsbury then you know that basically we're just sacking the FA cup off basically
0: hmm. depends on the conversations he's having with those above him as well are they telling him you know winning this game could be the difference between signing a player or not you know i don't yeah. know what the prize money is
1: the thing is it's what it's late, late january coming into february and and we're in with, we're in like with a sniff of making the playoffs to go up to the premier league which considering again considering where the club was a 12 months ago and football you can never guarantee anything I mean you know as much as I would not mind at all if we don't go up the season and the club won't and Mowbray won't if it's there on offer you know we make a good fist of it and go for it because you never know when these chances are going to come round again we might Hmm. you know we might end up doing an Ipswich and spending the next five years in mid-table in the championship you just never know you know what's going to happen so if we've got a chance of that you make a fist of it and go for it and if we're in with a chance, does that mean you just throw the FA Cup out the window and just say, yep, go on, get some game time to some of the lads who we might need later on in the season in the Championship?
0: Yeah, I think Dennis Serkin's been back training this week, so he's going to be naturally in contention to start, isn't he? Because we need to get minutes into his legs for the league game. So there's a little bit of that as well where you're looking at it and you're thinking yeah. we've got players to bring back in who ordinarily would probably start anyways. So Serkin's one of them. Um, I'd usually say... Yeah, Pritchard's another one. Uh, Pierre Ekwa, who obviously we've signed now, um, is another one who might get might get some minutes because he's going. Well, they're going to want to get him up the speed. He hasn't. I know he's been yeah. playing twenty ones football, but he hasn't played any men's football. And usually in the past, I would have said, you know, cup games are about the best opportunity to bring people like that in. And he's here now. He's part of the squad. I mean, they might think, you know, it's a little bit early. Should we give him half an hour or so? But I imagine we'll see him at some point. So there are decisions to be made in that regard. And I don't think it would weaken us massively. I think that's probably more hinging on Corey Evans because, you know, if he's out, then you're basically left with Neil and Misha as the other options. So maybe he's sort of forced into bringing in Equa in that sense.
1: Yeah, I, I think now, I think with Evans, if Evans was out, to be honest, I wouldn't worry about it too much. We've got that many... Decent options now in the middle. Uh, I'd be quite excited because I said after the weekend, uh, I'd be quite um happy to see Neil and Mishu get a good run together and Mishu get a run of games. You know, just like we talked about um Hume that, you know, these early games, he, you know, sometimes when you're thrown in, it's a different prospect to when you know you're going to start like two or three games off the off the bounce. And if you know you're going to do the business, um, you stay in there. So I yeah I think especially with the new signing I don't I've got no concerns about Evans being out I like Evans he's a good option to have but I think now that we're strengthening the squad I see you know in Michu having the game that he did against Borough you know earlier in the season Evans I thought was a kind of a vital kind of cog that we kind of needed in there and now I'm just seeing Evans as an option already because some of the how some of these players are coming on and progressing yeah. and and the new signings I'm excited to see them. But just quickly, and, and uh, going off on a tangent a little bit, but I just wanted to ask you, just because we mentioned him, moving forward, because I've seen a few discussions about this, that front three behind Stewart, Clark, Ahmad and Roberts, if you think about it just on paper and, and watching, them, well, watching them play as well, never mind on paper, but those three have been incredible behind Stewart. Do you think Pritchard has a place in the side if those three are fit?
0: Ooh, tough one, isn't it? Hmm. No, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't personally know. I think the problem with Pritchard is is that he's played a lot of football this season and he's actually I don't wanna say he's been poor, 'cause he has been poor because he has not been poor, but I think I think he's struggled to have the the same level of impact that he had in Lee One. So uh, I think with, with Pritchard now, I'm looking at him as more of a a squad option where we need him. And I think if he's fit he will play a lot of football. Just because there's always going to be injuries, there's always going to be reasons to change things tactically, but I guess the question is, is you know, is he is he first choice anymore? And I think because he's been out the team now for for a little while, we've proven we we can deal without him, and that's probably the important thing because he's been such such a pivotal player for that last season and a half, yeah. where I, there was a time where I couldn't really imagine Sunderland without Pritchard in that side, but. I think this year we've maybe seen that he's probably more, more at this standard, or you know, yeah. I think I think the problem is with Pritchard is is that he, he relies so heavily on his ability to create things from uh, set pieces, corners, and things, and he hasn't been able to do that this year. So he's 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 just not as dangerous. And one thing maybe Ahmad's highlighted. I know the place different positions slightly, but one thing Ahmad's highlight, highlighted is that. To be a good player at this level, you need to have an end product, and that's just what's missing from Pritchard's game. You know, I, I think there's an of his game we do miss, though. Like, I think the way that he presses from the front, he's he's great at that. You know, sometimes sometimes when you when you're in a game where you haven't got a lot of the ball, Pritchard's great for that. And I like I like the fact how he, um, you know, he's a, he is a he is a leader on the pitch. He's always in the refs. Yeah, you need players like that. Um, so there's definitely a role for him there, but I think we've proven we can do without him, which I actually think that's a good thing. If, if there's any player, like, you know, it doesn't matter how good they are, if you can show with any player in your squad that you can cope without them, that can only be a good thing because it shows that, it it shows you're not reliant solely on one or two players. You know, if if Ross Stewart is missing, we've seen this season that we can get by without him and he's so good. So, Sort of similar with Pritch, I guess you know. But apart from that, the other, the other thing being that we've, like you said, we've got lots of options.
1: Mm. Well, I think that's a beauty of it now, and and I probably need to go back to, kind of the Peter Reid promotion days for the last time when, basically, we we had a first, we had a first eleven who you considered to be our first eleven, and then behind that you had a group of players who were just absolutely desperate, like chomping at the bit to get a chance. And as soon as someone's going to get suspended, injured, you've got these players who are desperate to get a chance and show what they can do to then say, well, I should be first choice now. And I think I reckon that all, all of the 11, when they get a chance, they'll be so scared about picking injuries up and all this sort of stuff because the person who's going to come in behind them, like Mishu at the weekend, has a blinder and if they have a blinder, it's almost that Mowbray is in a position where he says, "Well, how can I drop them after a performance like that?" Exactly like the Hume situation. He gets his chance. He waits. He's patient. He gets his chance, and then he's undroppable. And there's mm-hmm. quite a few. There's quite a few doing that at the minute.
0: Yeah, nice place to be, isn't it? You know, and I'm and I'm glad that we can we can go into this game and just yeah, pressure's off, and just if we get beat, nobody's going to be bothered really. You know, no. even if it's a, even if we get tonked, I think we're just going to be well. We didn't. The, uh, the reaction will be, let's focus on the league. I,
1: no, I, that that's that's my worry though. That's my worry that if we're outplayed and it knocks us a little bit for the for the next game in the championship, that's my only concern. I, I'd want if we're going to get beat. Do
0: you not know, think it's an easy out though? If you, if you do lose, it's a very easy out for. I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about the fans here, I'm talking about Mowbray, like you know, coming away from the game. And getting the players back in the zone for the league, it, it, it's a. I think it's an easy out. It's not like, it's not like losing to say Rotherham or Wigan in our league, where that would be probably morale sapping. It's you know you you've lost to a Premier League team in the cup. You know it is what it is, lads. We're just going to move yeah. on quickly and then give them a couple of days off back in training Monday, and they'll have forgot about it by then. I, I think.
1: I know, I know what you mean, but I think you're right about the result. But I think a lot of emphasis is going to be put on the performance. If we just if we're just not on it and we have a bad performance sometimes that can carry over like if if we go yeah. out and we we'll be we we'll be 2-0 but we play well i I won't have a worry about it in the world because i think well we've played well we're still playing well don't worry about it we'll be fine for Millwall. if we if we just have yeah. a stinker and because it's all about momentum and if you get yeah. if you it's all and if you get those performances and you you those results will come if if we just have a dip sometimes it's hard to pick it back up again so i just I'd like us to have a have a decent shot of it and um make a decent show on, but like I said, I wouldn't be fussed about the result.
0: It's a bit like if you think back last season when we lost to Arsenal, we got beat 5-1, but everyone yeah. was yeah. talking about how good of a show we put on for most of the game. And then we yeah. followed that up with two wins. We beat Doncaster and we beat Wedd. So, you know...
1: I don't think I've ever been as proud of a five-one defeat in my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So, as, if you can give a good account of yourself, then I don't think many people are going to be too bothered, to be honest. Um, what's your thoughts for the game? And how do you think that's going to play out? You, you know, we've talked plenty about it. How do you um, see we? Yeah. You know, come come full time. Where do you say we'll be at?
1: Yeah, I was talking to someone earlier about this, and um, my feeling, my gut feeling is it's. It's going to be a two, just like a two 0 win for Fulham. I just think they're on good form. I think Silva is is kind of looking at this as, a, as an opportunity to get, win some silverware. If, if a team's in form Pardon like my this, the pun, <laughs> they're not, they're, that's it. Um, they're never gonna, they're not going to do anything in the Premier League this season. They're not going to qualify for the Champions League. They're probably going to drop out the European places. I I think with the form they're in, they'll be looking at the FA Cup, thinking we can win something this season, mm. and. I think with it being a free hit for us, and not being that fussed, I think I uh, I I'd, I'd just see a fairly routine two nil win for Fulham
0: to be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit more positive than that. I think we'll win one nil. <laughs> I do. I just got a feeling. I don't know why, but uh, I'd, I'd
1: love it. I'd love it. Yeah. But um, i yeah maybe I'm just feeling it about the draw. I I really wanted an exciting draw and we didn't get one.
0: Yeah, quickly round on. Uh, some transfer stuff there eh? and then we'll we'll go into some listener questions we've got quite a few of those um Pierre Equathen's definitely signed definitely definitely I've seen him in a and strip with a scarf above his head so he is here <laughs> um was originally reported as a loan but he's signed on a permanent which was a bit of a surprise to quite a lot lot of people and it happened rather quickly love how it caught the uh the press off off guard I think it was one of the newspapers in, in London, had said uh, yes, he is in permanent talks, but still no deal done. And then about four <laughs> hours later, he was on the Sunderland website, <laughs> having signed. <laughs> so yeah, I am. I'm, I'm actually considering. I've not actually seen him play, bar a handful of you know clips of goals and all the rest of it. I'm really excited about this one. I don't know why. I can't. I can't really explain why I'm really excited. I just am.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm feeling exactly the same. And because it actually it feels. A lot like the Alicia deal, it it just feels like that it's on that level. And you read what West Ham fans are saying about it, and we heard almost carbon copy the comments that came out of them when Alicia joined us as well. Yeah. This kind of this feeling like what? Why isn't this kid been given a chance? He's shown potential. He's shown better form than some of the, some of the people have paid big money for. Um, and some people have been calling for him to you know at least have a place on the bench for the first team and he's just been given zero opportunities and there's there's been a lot kind of pointing fingers at Moyes and all that sort of stuff but I just feel like that I feel like it, and actually I was I was looking at the the video of um, Elise of how excited he was at him joining and you know that yeah. made us feel like Elise thinks you know this fella's a cracking player and he wanted to play alongside him that tells you something doesn't it? that tells a story but I, I can't wait to see him play out there. But but again, the a track record of what we've been doing the last eighteen months, two years, whatever it's been, you're just excited when a young kid signs for us now. You think you think God, he's got to have something about him.
0: We've touched on this a bit in recent pods and stuff, but like to me, just see you are Pierre Equa. Um, ordinarily I would think if you're a if you're a young kid coming in from the outside into a you know, pretty hostile competitive environment with lots of experienced players, that can be really tough to get going in. Mm. And I think the opposite of Sunderland now, I think it must just be, you know, where you, these lads turn up and they feel immediately at home because they're made to feel welcome, because the entire environment now is shaped around giving the likes of this lad a, a chance. So that, to me, he's probably coming in, he already knows maybe one or two of the players Um and I don't think there'll be a big settling-in period. I, I'm, I've am i I've seen a few people online sort of saying, you know, we need to give him time and stuff, and we do need to give him time. But I just think that the current environment within the squad, the, the one that Mowbray has built, makes me think that he's going to be able to just hit the ground running. And he's probably dying to play senior football because he's played 23s, 21s football now for, what, like four years? You know, and he's probably thinking... I just, I've, I've, this is the, this is the chance I've been waiting for. Never played a senior game in his life. The opportunity to become a senior player at a club as big as this is huge, and I just think what a fantastic position to be in.
1: I, I'd, I'd have him straight on the bench for for the following game because, like, like we've been saying all the way through, if it's a free hit, you know, we haven't got much focus on it. Get him some minutes. Why not? Get him to know the lads. Get him to know the you know, how we travel, what we do, you know, even, even the little bits and pieces, the coach down or how they travel and getting to know the lads and all that sort of stuff, get them involved. Yeah. You know, if, if he can get some minutes on the pitch, then that, that's a bonus. It's it's interesting as well, you were talking about Mowbray and I think we've got to give some credit to what, what looks like that kind of behind the scenes kind of the atmosphere of the club, because I think it was mentioned when he first joined the club that it seemed to be that we had some a couple of splits, not not kind of splits in the dressing room, but like that group of lads hung about together and didn't really socialise with the rest of them. That one over there did, that one over there did, and you had kind of blocks of players who kind of kept themselves to themselves. And it seems like what Mowbray has done, he's brought all of this together. And it, they, they now look like more of a squad than they've looked, well, as a Sunland squad, who look like they've got that togetherness. I can't I can't remember the last time we had that. <laughs> I have to go no. way back <laughs> <laughs> but it, it looks like they're all in it together now, and I think uh, you've got to give a lot of credit uh, to Mowbray for that.
0: I think it's, it must be difficult to to integrate players like, anyways, especially foreign players, you know. And I, I, to be fair, I watch quite a lot of the behind the scenes videos the club put out, and it does look like you know Ahmad, mm. Abdullah, Bar, and mishu are all in a little crew together. And they all sort of travel together, and but I've got no problem with that because they're all lads of the similar age, you know. I think that's I think that's great. What's important is is that the other players in the squad recognise the talent they've got and they're, they're made to feel part of it. And um, again, I think we've talked about this before, but it's something that was mentioned about Ahmad, wasn't it? Where you know the lads in training had just seen how talented he was. And he became part of the crack and in, in training and stuff. And you know, look at him now, he's thriving. You know, he's 100% part of the team. That's, that makes, you know, the job of the other players. They they have to look at that example and be like, I want to be in there with those players. I want to be on the pitch like Ahmad is, as quick as Ahmad is. So, uh, yeah, I've got no problem. I, I quite like the idea that we're, we're building a little core of lads from, a lot of them French-speaking or French lads. I don't mind that. I think, you know, we've obviously looked at the market and find, think that there's a... There's there's maybe a, a gap there to exploit. It's got, you know, it it's got some potential behind it. You know, we're looking at. I mean, I think Equa has been in the Claire Fontaine Academy, which is very famous. Obviously, there's a massive line of French players from over the years who've came from a similar background. So, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I mean, mm-hmm. on the subject of French uh, young French players, there's two more. And I know we we briefly touched on Isaac Lehadji, the Lille winger, but the press reports seem to indicate he's edging closer you know by the time this goes out we might have signed him which yeah I know we've already talked about him but just another one pretty exciting young French player who's had a bit of a you know, a tough probably six months or so in in Lille. They, they want rid of him and he's not gone anywhere yet, so he needs a fresh start. And there's lads here he probably knows or he's aware of and he can, you know, again, jump straight in and, and get involved and maybe, you know, we can introduce him a little bit slower, but another really talented lad. And the one which came up this evening, which um somebody I've never heard of, but, you know, another one with an interesting background, Atif Konati, who is a Nottingham Forest attacking midfield player who. Came through at Lahav, which is where Abdullah Bar came from, of course. Again, don't know much about him. He's a central attack midfield player. I've seen some highlights of goals he scored for their 21s team and some rakers from long range, some tap-ins. So another sort of box-to-box midfielder, I think. But I mean, I don't know a great deal about him. But the, the interesting thing about him, Chris, was that I, I don't know if you've had a chance to read up on this, but um, their fans... For around about a year now, we've been calling for him to get a chance. I've seen loads of comments on social media. They want to see him in the team. They want to see him in the team. And it just hasn't happened. He's not been given that opportunity. He's got one appearance in the in the first team in the league, which was in January last year against Barnsley. So hasn't had really a, an opportunity again, that Forest first team. But we know all about Forrest. They've got a massive squad of players. they recruited heavily for the Premier League. It's probably pushed him way down the pecking order probably not a, a bad you know a little deal for us if it's just a loan right I mean worst thing is that he, you know he does it doesn't work out we send him back you know if he if, if if you know if he's any good we might sign him in the summer so yeah. I'm pretty happy with that one even though we're pretty well stopped in midfield
1: yeah it'll, it'll be interesting I mean like you said that these um these kind of links were French players kind of Kirill's Kirill's conveyor belt that he's got from from here you know lads coming through from <laughs> from france I don't know whether he's uh, his private jet is hopping them across all the time but um <laughs> it's it, it seems like uh, that like you said that the um deal, you know he he was left out of a uh, Reserve fixture for them, and looks like he's definitely leaving. And it seems like we're we're in poor position, um, for for that one. So I think you know if if that one's done, then that's another. It's another wide player, which is an interesting one. We've been seeing, we've been talking about Bennett trying to get minutes. We've got another young lad knocking on the door saying, "Hang on a minute, <laughs> I want to get some yeah. minutes as well." And we've got two wide players. I mean, it's brilliant for competition, but it's an interesting one for Mowbray keeping all these young lads happy, isn't it? Because they'll be chomping at the bit they get. Get a chance in in this team, um. So keeping them all patient is is going to be another one. The other the other obvious thing we talk we're talking about predominantly midfielders, and it, it, again I mean we've mentioned it the last couple of weeks, but it's the striker. Everyone's talking about you know we haven't really been had a solid link with a striker except for for Gellart um at uh, at Leeds, um. Which am yeah. not sure how that's going to go. That's it. That he seems to have been all over the place. Um, linked linked with everybody, I think there's a lot of clubs looking at him, um, but he's really been the only strong link in terms of a striker, which is which is yeah. a strange one. You would have thought, you know, back in the day. I mean, look at look at when Josh Madger left, and we were probably linked with about ten players within the space of six hours on deadline day, <laughs> and and we're, we're definitely for a striker now.
0: Loose <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lips, yeah. though. In that case, I think you know. People at yeah. the club were, were, were happy to uh, divulge information to any anyone and everyone. <laughs> when now you know you look at this, some of these names that are coming out now though, we're, they're coming out of nowhere. So that's yeah. that to me. And it was a, it's been the same now for a few transfer windows. I'm just not not reading too much into it because I think they're obviously working very hard on stuff. And um, you know, I'm 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 sure we've got a number of options in every position. I just think you know yeah. well it'll happen when it happens. galhart is an interesting one. You know, I know you just you mentioned him then I'd forget mm-hmm. about him. But um he's a player that Leeds fans are really, really high on. They think yeah. he's great. Yeah. He's got a few options. I think it looked like he was going to go to Wigan. Um then that seems to have cooled off probably because the the crap. But um you know <laughs> what's the point in sending them there? You know, in a shit situation. Um <laughs> but when you think about it, I mean, I know it probably sounds a bit harsh, but it's true, isn't it? You know, if if these other options are like, I think Blackburn or another team who've been linked with him, who are up there with us, why would you send them to Wigan when he could be playing for a team who are potentially going to get promoted? Makes no sense. So, if you know if he's as good as the saying he is, then you know he he's going to be more than capable of playing in the championship, isn't he? So, I, I'm I'm pretty. Cool on that. I know we we've talked a couple of times about Ellis Sims and the potential of him maybe coming back. I know that that's went a little bit quiet, but it's always going to be in the back burner, isn't it? You know, we've always probably got that option to bring him back. You know, as the as the window dwindles to the end. Um, but I'm I'm what I am hopeful of is that you know this this Gelhart link. If it's if it's true, then. It shows that we're not just relying on Sims. I know a lot of people said, you know, is it worth putting all your eggs in one basket with him? Clearly we aren't, if we're looking at other lads yeah. too. So I'm um, again pretty cool on it. I think we've we've got a lot of options. Prob- there's probably a number of players that we're in talks with that we've never even heard of or that we've got yeah. no idea we're talking to. Yeah.
1: And yeah, that, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I think pretty much every player that suddenly it, it suddenly announced that suddenly have signed or were linked with. I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Normally, I've I kind of know who they are. Or I've seen you know seen them in and out of certain teams, or e- even in League One, you kind of knew who they were. But now we're in the Championship, I haven't got a clue who who some <laughs> of these lads are. But uh, but yeah, on the Sims front, I was just thinking about that, and surely you know whoever they appoint will look at that squad and think, well, you know they they need more to stay up in the Premier League, and Sims will be shipped out. You, yeah, surely.
0: Yeah. Right. Let's fire into some listener questions as well since we've done this. But I did ask on Twitter for people to send us some and we got a hefty response. So what we'll do is we'll try and keep it as short as we can. We'll try and uh, maybe not ramble for too long. Um, Tom <laughs> SAFC at Thompson 1977. He says, uh, are we better in a three five two or a four two three one? one and what do you think the best players are for either formation? I mean, have you got a preference on system, Chris? Is is the one that you prefer to see and playing?
1: You know what it is. I think, you know, sometimes when I watch us play, even when I think right, well, we've set up with a four and we've put two in front and we've got we've got like that sort of system. You sometimes see the structure that when we haven't got possession, and it's almost like we line up with three centre backs and Clark yeah. do- mm-hmm. Clark drops in anyway. So. Yeah. I think actually it's so fluid that sometimes it looks like a five at the back and sometimes it looks like a four at the back. And it depends on the situation of the game or actually where the players are on the pitch. But yeah. I actually don't think Mowbray has much of a right today. We'll play it. We're going to set up with a proper four. I don't think it.
0: football works like that anymore. No, no, I
1: honest. don't. And you see them sometimes it's hard to work out. And, and we haven't really got a set. You know, like I said, it's not the, the old back four and four in front and yeah. two midfielders and all that sort of stuff. So I think we're pretty fluid anyway so I, yeah I don't mind what we set up with because I think we do a bit of both.
0: I think the team now is you're right the word fluid is right. I think I don't think football works like that anymore. We you don't go right we're playing 352. You know you every player's got a different role. So you've just said their clock probably has a little bit less defensive responsibility on his side of the pitch than say Hume does on the other side and then you you look at Hume, he's turned into this sort of right back slash right centre half slash right wing back slash central midfielder he's turned you know that that Joe Cancelo role at <laughs> Manchester City really you know it, it it's genuinely how he's playing I mean against Middlesbrough he was in the middle of the pitch probably more than he was out on the right so every you know every player's got a different role you've got Ross Stewart who doesn't play as an out and out striker he, he, he's more like to me more like a Harry Kane with pace because he drops into central midfield and then he's up the pitch and then he's, you know, he's everywhere and that false nine position. You you would never look at Ross Stewart and think he's a false nine, but he he probably is. He's a false nine. I don't think it's as rigid as that. It's yeah. much more fluid and we we don't seem to stick to a system.
1: Can I just quickly say in the last week you've you've compared Dan Neal to Gaza and Trey Hume to Kinsella.
0: not like me you get carried away is it (laughs) owen sarah says is it time speakman finally got the credit he deserves that's a big old question isn't it i think i'll go first on that one i think uh, yes (laughs) is the answer um i was critical of him this time last year when he sacked lee johnson and had no plan for it and then um gave jermaine defoe contract when it was probably more to appease the fans than it was to benefit the team. And that played out and went wrong for us. And, you know, I think he has made mistakes. But on the whole, since he came to the club, it's undeniable that everything's got better on the pitch. I looked at it, it was a starting 11 of a team from just before he came in. And the team then, compared to now, it's just night and day. And I'm not saying that he deserves all the credit, but at the end of the day, he is the... He is the top of the tree when it comes to the football inside the club. He's even above Tony Mowbray. He has more say, more authority, more input than even the head coach does because that's the structure that the club have put in place. And, you know, you've got to say that in that time, the turnover of players has been huge. We've brought the average age of the squad right down. We got promoted. We're now stabilised in the championship and playing good football at this level. And, You know, I'm looking at it now and thinking in the next two years, we should be in the Premier League. And he has got to get some credit for that, you know, because he was appointed to do a job and he's carrying it out. I know a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people think he's a bit of a dick. A lot of people don't like the cut of his jib. I don't care because he's doing a good job. I mean, I've never sported the bloke. I've got no idea what he's like, so I can't comment on his personality or anything. But to me, he's doing a fine job.
1: Yeah, I... I don't get the criticism, to be honest. Um I, I'll I'll point people in the direction of the editorial I did on the sixteenth of, uh, of January, where I basically tried to sum it up. Just said, you know, we're talking 4th of December 2020. Um that's that's when he was appointed. One day later we were beaten at home by Wigan. Our team was Burge, McCoughlin, Wright, Flanagan, Hume, um and McFadson came on a sub. <laughs> McGuire led Scowen, McGee, power and Will Grigg up front. Jesus. Um I, I mean that was that was the day after he was appointed. And if you look that all we are is what just over two years later and that is only four transfer windows. And if you think that first transfer window opened less than four weeks after he joined the club, hmm. you can really see he's turned that round in three transfer windows.
0: Which yeah is,
1: which is it he's turned that team from that into the one we're watching and the one we're praising. At the top end of the championship in two years and three transfer windows. I mean, yeah. when you look at it like that, that's in, that's an incredible turnaround. I made the point in that piece as well that even signing Messi, you know, if PSG signing Messi, that's a risk. Anything can go wrong with a transfer. You know, he doesn't get on with the players, or he well, look, look at Ronaldo injured, back but, to
0: Manu. Yeah, you
1: know exactly. I mean, any transfer can go wrong. You take a risk with every transfer, but to get so many of them right, like he has, and, and don't get on every every person who signs a play at footballers for a club is going to get it wrong at some point, 100%. But to get so many of the, the, the decisions he's made right, including two managerial changes in the space of two years, one forced upon him and the other one by choice. I mean, and people say about Alex Neal, or it was Alex Neal who did the business. Absolutely, Alex Neal was fantastic doing the business in League One, but it was still Speakman who appointed him and the club who appointed him. So... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where the criticism comes I think that turnaround in 2 years is incredible.
0: Yeah. I think it's it's probably important that though to acknowledge the input of others, you know, obviously the managers we've had in that time. Um Stuart Harvey yeah. who's obviously so crucial behind the scenes when it comes to transfers, but to me, you know, he put that team together. He was given the remit to build a, a football and infrastructure behind the scenes that you know, sets us up for the long term and uh I, can't, I can't,
1: can't say enough about him. On that, though, if it went horribly wrong, everyone would be calling for his head. So yeah. it's right that it's right that it, because it goes right, it gets some credit for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next question is from Kingy, Paul King, 73. He says, do you think if we get promoted, we stand any chance of Ahmad on a permanent? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. As much as I would love to sign Ahmad on a permanent, um, he's going to cost an awful lot of money yeah. to get out of that manual contract. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a case because Kingy says, "Yeah, he loves it." Yeah, I'm sure he does. But um, you know, I don't think we're going to be spending that amount of money on anybody anytime soon because when you cost Manchester United forty million euros before you've even really done anything at senior level. I think he'd had a handful of appearances in Italy and that's about it. And then you improve at the rate he has, they're going to want to get, see a, a big return on him if they do sell him. I think what's more likely to happen is he's going to be part of their first team squad. And, you know, that was the, that was the aim of this, you know, send him to Sunderland. He goes there, he scores goals, he gets assists, he becomes a far better player. He comes back to Manchester United ready for the first team. And I think there's no doubt in my mind that's what's going to happen here. It's going to take, you know, some drop-off in form from him if that's not going to happen because what's he got ahead of him, really, at Man U, you know? I know they've got Anthony who they paid €100 million Euro for, but I've watched him a fair bit this season and I couldn't say he was he was better than NAMAD, if I'm honest. And that's been truthful. And I think even the Man U fans, you know, aren't particularly sold on him. So I'm not saying he's going to be going into Man U's team and a total world, be- playing for a team in the Champions League, but I do think... There's a place for him in that squad, and he will play games. So no.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the no, because it just purely because of the price tag. But on the going back to Manchester United and being a Manchester United player, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. No. I don't think. I I don't think Ahmad's quite at that level. I think he's fantastic. I love him. I think he's a brilliant player. But I don't think he's at that level. And and don't get us wrong. The the Anthony thing. He's. He's not that good. <laughs> basically, Ahmad is about at his level, but I'm not sure he's a Manchester United player either. I I don't think Ahmad's good enough to to spend kind of the next three or four years at Manchester United. I think they'll they'll try and recoup. They're they're going to use us basically to get him playing the football that he he can, and to put the biggest price tag on him. And I think they'll sell him in the summer.
0: Mm, I think the other the other thing they could probably do with him is maybe just loan him to a Premier League team, maybe a team coming up from the championship who who maybe. would happily give him 30 games in the Premier League. And then I think that's probably more likely. What we forget is he's probably only, he's only been there two years at Man U. He's, he, they signed him in the January transfer window in 2021. So he's, and he's still very young. And I think, to be honest, I think they haven't seen how it went for him at Rangers, which wasn't particularly great. They probably weren't expecting him to do as well as he has. I certainly wasn't. I mean, we we mentioned this before. Mowbray's first game against Rotherham, Ahmad wasn't even in the eighteen. He, he didn't mm-hmm. even make the bench. So he's he's rapidly kicked on, and they will be looking at that and they'll be thinking, Phew, you know, in the right environment, he is a world beater.
1: But just just on that, it was a good point you made there. Actually, It could be, he could be kind of our Johnny Evans, where he plays for this season, and if we do manage to go up, you wouldn't be surprised if we loaned him again in the Premier League.
0: No. So I, I don't think you'll ever sign for his permit. I think, I just no. think even, you know, just the money, we aren't, I don't think this football club's ever going to spend big again. It'll always be about spending wisely. And I'm happy with that if it's, you know, well even when you're in the Premier League, you know, you've still got to be clever. So Darren Burke asks, do you think the Sims ship has sailed now? Do you think that's finished with? I'll let you answer that one. I'm, I don't know. Do you think, do you think that's going to? Do you think that could happen? Is Darren suggesting that you know because we're looking at other targets, maybe we um, we we've we've looked past Ellis Sims. No,
1: I, th- I think um, I think once they get it depends when they appoint a new manager because I think it'll be up to that new manager. So I don't know what, yeah. ha- where they are on how long they're going to take doing that. But I'm I'm fairly certain that what there's only less than a week to go till the, the window, um, shuts. That if they appoint a new manager, they'll decide that Sims probably needs to go and they need someone better. But it depends if they're able to bring someone in before the, the deadline, um, then Sims is going to be straight out the door. Um, mm. And if if we're happy to leave it late, because if you think we've only got Fulham and then we've got another week till Millwall, so the pressure's not on us to go out yeah. and to, to buy one tomorrow. We do, we're we not desperate to buy one before the Fulham game or the, yeah, we'll get one before the deadline if we want to leave it late. Um, If none of the other targets come off and Sims leaves late, then we'll be in for him, so... It, yeah, it depends on a lot of things. Uh, I think there's a lot of things going on with Everton and us. Um, and it, I think it's all about timing.
0: Yeah. Alex at Spezial 73 asks, what areas do you think we need to strengthen before the deadline? Anyone you'd move out? I know we've talked about a couple of these things. I think, you know, any options in the tap midfield would be great just to, to give us plenty of those. I think, you know, if Lee Hadji comes in, um, if, it comes in. I'd be happy with that because I'm, I'm. We touched on this before. You know, we've got a we've got a front three there behind Stewart, which is, um, starting to become established. So you know, any other players in backup who can give competition, I'm I'm happy with. Um, but I think you know, other than the ones we've talked about, we do need a striker. Looks like we're going to bring one in. Just to know who. Um, the other place I would probably like to see us bring somebody in is that centre half. Because I think I've got a feeling Bailey Wright will go. He's on about who who might go out. I still think Bailey Wright will go, and I think we'll bring somebody else in. Um, you know, there's been murmurings of Charlie Cresswell from Leeds. Um, I imagine we're looking at a number of players, but there's a reason Bailey Wright's being linked with clubs, and I think it, I've met, I've talked about this a few times recently. I think it's time for him to go, um, but only if we can bring somebody in. Um, other than him, Leon Diaku. Probably on loan. If we bring an attacking midfielder, as I can see him going somewhere, he's got to be playing football at some point, and it's not going to happen at Sunderland.
1: Yeah, I, I think Diego might leave. The barely right one. I, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with the with the rumours that are going around, but uh, I still think he'll be here until the summer. I think he'll leave in the summer, and it'll kind of be a handshake and thank you very much for your for your service. He came on the other the other day. He came on against Middlesbrough. He's still getting minutes. Um, we've got injuries, we're picking up injuries. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed till the summer.
0: Yeah, got a couple of questions on the right-back position. Um, Caleb's asked, Where, where's Gucci's position when fit? He's maybe more of a utility player, but his usual positions are now filled by specialists. I mean, we talked about this on the last one, didn't we? Where do we see him slotting in when fit? Um, what I will point to before you answer, Chris, is that this time last year, he <laughs> nearly signed for Shrewsbury in League One. And really? that move to that. potential move to Shrewsbury. Well, yeah, it was him and Flanagan, wasn't it? And Flanagan went and he didn't. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And after that, he was one of our key players between then and the end of the season, you know. And I'm interested to see how Gooch reacts to how brilliant Hume's been because Hume's now undoubtedly, and we've had a question about this, um, Mike. At Perichin said, how Minters try Hulme. Try Hume is undoubtedly our best right back, our first choice is that right question? back. the <laughs> question? Yeah, how Minters try Hulme. That's the question. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about him recently. He's been outstanding. But to me, you know, at, you, you couldn't possibly put Gucci ahead of him now. There's no yeah. way. So, what, so and Lynn and Gucci are going to be happy sitting on the bench. So, it it is interesting. Where does he fit in now?
1: Yeah, well he just signed a new contract as well in the summer, didn't he? I mm. can't remember how long long that was for, but I know I he think signed a contract. It was a couple year of years. But, I think it was two years. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be an interest. but but the thing is it, it was it was what I was talking about earlier when players lose that place in the in the team, whether it's by injury, suspension, whatever reason, the player who's coming in at the minute just takes their opportunity and runs with it. And it's happening all over the pitch at the minute. And and, and Gooch is gonna to have to play the same role as Hume did. And Just kind of bide his time, and maybe you know, this sometimes when players burst onto the scene, like Hume did, sometimes they they kind of burst onto the scene, they have a good few months, and then so sort of they, they have a little bit of a dip in form because of the Saturday Tuesday thing. He, he's never done this, at, 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 he's never had that routine at this level before. Maybe he might have a dip, and we might say, Right, Layman Gooch, when, when he you know, he needs to come back in give Hume a few games out or something like that. You just never know. I'm sure before the end of the season, Gooch will come in. What's his best position? You know, it, it's really strange with Lyndon Gooch. He was, he was always that attack and player. I mean, he, he used to, I think he, when he first came through, he played behind the striker um, when he first came through when he was really young. Mm. And I think a couple of times we used him as a striker. And then he had that period under jack ross where he was fantastic in that first season in league one the first half of the season in league one where he was one of our best players and he played out wide in in an attacking sense and then he's learned this kind of attack and fullback role which he's been he's been good in and he was fantastic at the the tail end of last season so i just think it seems like this attack and fullback role is his best position at the moment but with Hume playing like he is he's he's not going to get in anytime soon
0: no, but there's always place for players like that in your squad because he can play so many positions. Yeah. He's it's a bit like Luke 9 and he's, he's you know you're always going to need him because yeah, Gooch can play probably four positions in the team. So, but the other thing
1: as well, I'd like because I like the look of Huggins as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting now to see do the clubs here to have a word with Lyndon Gooch is it almost a discussion to say well actually we've got other young lads pushing and we want to give them minutes. But and you know, Lyndon Gooch is great behind the scenes, and he's he's kind of good in the dressing room and all that sort of stuff. So there's that aspect that we don't see. Yeah, yeah, be interesting to see how it goes.
0: Yeah, we've got a couple left, so we might as well read them out. I don't want to leave anybody Why out. Uh, Lou underscore SAFC says, does Roberts keep the number ten spot when Pritchard is fit? Has he played ten? Has he sort of played like a? More like, I don't know, what, is, what, what him, it, it's, it's a strange position because him and Ahmed just do what they want, don't
1: they? I was just about to say that exact sentence. They just go where they want and just... just like, and actually, Luke O'Neill said it on commentary the way again. He said, Mowbray just lets them go. He just says, you know, just <laughs> do your thing. And yeah. it, you would, wouldn't you? You've got players yeah, like yeah. that, you just say, yeah. do your thing. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. I, I think with these three fit in the form that they're in, I don't think Pritchard gets back in.
0: No. Um And last but not least, uh, Snell at Snell 77 says, realistically, where in the league would you be happy for us to finish?
1: Wow. um, That is an interesting <laughs> one. We were talking about... I'm going to stick by what I said at the start of the season because now we're kind of talking in hindsight now about we've got the benefit of over half a season. and But I think with the way we're progressing and the, the type of team we are and how, how good we are on our day... I think if we make a good push for the playoffs and we miss out, then you know that'll be disappointing, but at the same time, I'll be more than happy with a mid table position, like I said at the start of the season just because it's it's progress. I think we'll you know we've got young players who've got a year under their belt at this level, which is fantastic. We're moving forward as a club, you know we would have snapped people's hand off at the start of the season for a mid table player, so I'm kind of going to stick with that, but some of the football we've played and some of the games we've played in the The drop points are really frustrating at times, and you just think some of those games. And if Stewart had been fit, there's there is that frustration about the season that it could have been something really special if we um if we don't end up kind of making the playoffs. But um, but yeah, I think a mid table, say let's say above twelfth, I'd be kind of comfortable with that.
0: I think I actually pit consistency and performances above league position in this instance. So, you know, yeah, if we finish tenth yeah. or eleventh. But the, the the football and the, the results have been what they've been like, you know, up to this point, then you'd have no real concern, would you, or arguments. You'd just be like, well, we've had a re- this season has been really enjoyable. We've won more than we've lost. We've played really good football. We've scored really good goals. I'd be over the moon with that. But if it's a case where, you know, we win our next three or four games and we are, Sort of top end of the playoff spot, and then we see a drop off in results. Because you know the other thing playing at the back of my mind is the Blackburn fans told us when we appointed Tony Mowbray that everything's great till February, and then all of a sudden it drops. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but yeah. you know it, if it's a trait of his, you never know, do you? And then we could be sat in April, May time going, we were good enough at the end of January at that point to to finish in the playoffs and we didn't capitalise on it. We didn't play well enough. So I think it's a bit early to say really, but I, I, for me, I'm just, I just want to say the consistency that we've seen, you know, we, we've we certainly since the world cup, I just feel like we, we were talking about this team's a good team. And now I'm thinking we're actually a lot better than team people give us credit for. And it's about, you know, can we keep hitting that, hitting that level? But, yeah. I think it's a bit too early to say what I really be up for. I think you know if, if we if we lost in the playoff final, I'm still going to be devastated.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you look back at stats, though, that it's it's really it's it's pretty rare for clubs to jump up from League One and and finish in the top six in the Championship. It's really yeah. it doesn't I Don't happen. think it's been
0: done very often, has it? I
1: think Luton was it Luton who did it recently, but apart from that, it really it's not something that happens year on year. So it to do what we've done. I mean, you look at the teams struggling. I mean, Wigan. It's um, Wigan, obviously. who We came up with and um, Rotherham. Yes. So I mean, they're they're both struggling down the bottom. They're in the bottom five, and you see what we're doing, and we're pushing for the top six. Okay, you can argue that we're different sized clubs, but we finished below them last season. So the the stride that we've taken, people, you've got to remember how big that is. Yeah, and it's easy to forget when you when you're trying to talk about finishing in the playoffs, but a massive leap we've taken this season and and as you said as long as you can see progress then then you're quite happy with it
0: yep well thanks everybody who sent questions in we might do this more often if we do these sort of off the cuff preview shows where um we don't plan a single thing and need your help for content um <laughs> yep uh, cheers to the listeners for oh. tuning in um cheers to chris as always for joining us cheers mate no about that and make sure you check out rockareport.espionation.com leading up the game we'll have all the usual build up Chris's preview that only three people read as he says every week um, and all that other good stuff coming up catch you all there cheers